0: Good evening. A warship in the Sea of Azov sinks as fighting rages for the center of the Ukrainian port city of Mariupol, Biden or Putin's inflation. An economist says we're heading into a recession either way, and the mayor blames black people for the violence. With these and other stories, I'm Paul DiRienzo with the WBAI News. The flagship of Russia's Black Sea Fleet, a guided missile cruiser that became a potent target of Ukrainian defiance in the opening days of the war sank today after it was heavily damaged in the latest setback for Moscow's invasion. Ukrainian officials say their forces hit the vessel with missiles while Russia acknowledged a fire aboard the vessel. But no attack Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby
1: there was a significant explosion on this cruiser the Moskva of the Slava class of cruisers in, in the Russian Navy we do believe that 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 explosion caused a significant fire which as of this morning was still raging aboard the ship we do assess that at least some of the crew members evacuated the ship and were placed aboard other Russian Navy ships. I can't tell you if it's the whole crew. As for the impact on the Russian Navy, that's a little difficult to know with great certitude. They have and have had anywhere from a dozen to two dozen ships operating in the Black Sea and the Sea of Azov since the beginning of this invasion. They have ports, as you know, on the Black Sea. They historically have operated there. It would be difficult to, to be able to tell you that this one ship being out of commission, what exactly... the impact is going to have. And the reason I say that is because their naval component here to the war has been fairly limited to two things. One, cruise missile strikes inside Ukraine, and two, replenishment and resupply of their efforts in the south. They've only conducted one amphibious landing, and that was on an uncontested stretch of beach near Berdansk in the Sea of Azov. And they hadn't really made any concerted naval efforts uh, towards Odessa. So I guess it remains to be seen exactly what the major impact is going to be. This is a cruise. They only have three in this class. It's a ship that is roughly 600 feet long. It has a crew of more than 400, almost 500 sailors on board, and it's basically designed for air defense. That's what this ship is designed to do, not unlike our own cruisers. It's going to have an impact on their capabilities, certainly in the near term. Whether it has an impact on their naval capabilities in the long term is just unclear right now. We don't have, as much as I'm, I know we'd like to have and you'd like us to have, we just don't have a better, clearer sense of the damage done.
0: Russian media said the Moskva was armed with 16 anti-ship cruise missiles. Kiev says the Moskva, the Moskva featured in one of the landmark early exchanges of the war when Ukrainian border guards on Snake Island in the Black Sea told a ship to go F yourself after it demanded they surrender. And in more war news, Russian Defense Ministry spokesperson Igor Konashenkov warned in Moscow today if sabotage attempts don't stop, the Russian military will strike Ukrainian decision-making centers. He went on to say that the commercial seaport of Mariupol is no longer under the control of the... Azov militants, as he called them. According to the Ministry of Defense, all hostages, the Russian Ministry of Defense, all hostages kept by the militants on vessels have been released. And Ukrainian officials have not commented upon Konoskinov's statement so far. A video shows heavy fighting and large scale destruction in Mariupol, a port city on the Azov Sea. As active fighting in the center of the city continues, it's a key city where Russian and Ukrainian forces have been battling since the beginning of the war. Combat armored vehicles can be seen firing in the streets as civilians escape from active hostilities. There have been a number of attacks in Belarus and Russia by Ukrainian guerrillas, it's assumed, that have caused uh, destruction and damage and sabotage to railway lines, uh, feeding and serving the Russian military's uh, incursion into Ukraine. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in a video address today offered to exchange the head of the opposition platform for life – Victor Medvedchuk, for Ukrainians captured by Russia, Zelensky says, "Well, if Medvedchuk chose a military uniform for himself, he falls under the rules of wartime. I offer the Russian Federation to exchange this guy of yours for our boys and our girls who are now in Russian captivity. It is therefore important that our law enforcement officials and military also consider this possibility." Earlier this week, about a thousand Ukrainian Marines surrendered two Russian forces in Mariupol. On Tuesday, Zelensky posted a photo online of Medvedchuk dressed in the Ukrainian army uniform and with his hands in cuffs. According to the Ukrainian president, a special operation was carried out by the country's security service to capture the pro-Russian politician who escaped from house arrest after Russia's offensive into Ukraine. And as the uh, actions brought against Russia by the NATO alliance, the sanctions brought against Russia by the NATO alliance begin to affect the economies of Russia and the West. Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Dmitry Berchovsky claimed on RT television today that those sanctions sanctions were expected and the damage against Russia limited. The official went on to say, without a sanctions war, Russia's enemies are just hurting themselves.
2: These measures uh, cannot be called sanctions per se because they were never approved by U.N. Security Council. We recognize them as hostile acts, some of them on the brink of piracy or robbery, aimed at inflicting terminal damage to Russian economy and to its people. Russia is taking steps to reciprocate, as you know. Our response is to follow. In some spheres, we have already taken countermeasures, but we are not going to fall into sanctions war or sanctions hysteria. Because unlike our adversaries, we understand that this kind of weapon, I mean sanctions, is a double, double-edged sword. And it hurts also those who introduce re- restrictions. As to the impact uh, on Russian economy, mm. well, those steps were very much predictable. We had an experience uh, and we had some time to get prepared for them. As you may no- notice, you know, our economy quickly adapted to previous restrictions starting from 2014. It is uh, obvious that uh, the new restrictive measures will have an adverse effect on the European economy. The so-called sanctions will definitely undermine competitiveness of the EU. They will further disrupt remaining value and supply chains, instigate price growth of commodities, raw materials, food and other critical goods. European metal industry will also have to go through a painful process of changes. Well, there are various views on that, but people and businesses will certainly suffer from the direct or indirect effects of such steps. Inflation, by the way, is on the rise across the EU and in America and in Japan. Energy prices are skyrocketing. According to some estimates, the living standards of population are on the way down to minimum levels recorded since 1970s.
0: Russian Foreign Ministry spokesperson Dmitry Birchovsky uh, will be talking more about the effects of the war on the economy here in the United States a little later in the cast. In other world hotspots, a Palestinian protester was killed and nine others injured during clashes erupting between protesters and Israeli forces in the town of Silwad in northeast uh, northeast of Ramallah today. Protesters could be seen throwing stones at several Israeli police vehicles, which were raiding houses in the town. Police officers, in turn, were seen using fire Uh, Firing shots to disperse protesters from the streets. According to the Palestinian Ministry of Health, 20-year-old Omar Mohammed Alian was uh, killed by a shot. To the chest fired by the israeli forces the israeli police announced that several palestinians suspected of planning to carry out attacks in the coming days were arrested during the raid in silwa And here in the United States, President Joe Biden was at North Carolina's A&T State University, the largest historically black university in the country today. His remarks were billed as an opportunity to pitch the Bipartisan Innovation Act legislation pending in Congress that seeks to boost U.S. manufacturing and invest in STEM education. North Carolina is a battleground state where Biden's job approval has been lackluster He's focusing on the record job creation on his watch, the drop in the unemployment rate and reduction in the deficit, and what he called Putin's gas price hike.
3: Putin's invasion of Ukraine has driven up gas prices and food prices all over the world. Ukraine and Russia, the one and two largest wheat producers in the world, were number three. They're shut down. We saw that in yesterday's inflation data. What people don't know is that 70% of the increase in inflation was a consequence of Putin's price hike because of the impact on oil prices, 70%. We We need to address these high prices and urgently for working folks out there. When we build more in America, we increase economic capacity, and ultimately it helps lower everyday prices for families. That's what we're starting to see. Look around. American manufacturing is coming back. Once again, we're seeing the pride that comes from stamping a product made in America. President Biden earlier
0: today. Nevertheless, political economist Jack Rasmus says Biden's promise for the economy, promises for the economy have been anemic because he says the president lacks a true economic stimulus program. Rasmus adds in the end, Biden is looking to unite the country behind him before the election through another
2: war
3: November campaign talk first of all there isn't that much of uh, fiscal stimulus tax cuts or whatever directed at tech so I don't know what he's talking about about tech there is virtually no fiscal stimulus and will be even less because of all the sharp increase in uh, in war spending we're just at the beginning of that I predict at least 50 billion this year will be spent on war, uh in Ukraine and who knows where else uh, so uh, there's no real fiscal stimulus going on here except for subsidies in some cases to big corporations going on. Inflation is very real. What's going to happen very clear is that the Fed has declared the next recession. This is coming, no doubt. The Fed will be raising rates by 50 basis points here in the next couple of months. We've never had that fast and large a Fed interest rate hike without precipitating a recession, and this time it's even greater than ever before. So recession is coming late this year, early next year at the very latest. And now we've got all kind of uh, large banks predicting the same, and the analysts are beginning to come around, predict the same. We're going to hit November elections. With continuing inflation, even Biden says it's going to continue, and so does Yellen. And we're going to start having a contraction of the economy probably right after the election. This is just campaign talk here right now because he's got nothing really going, no real solution to inflation. He could slap a surtax on the oil companies and distribute it to commuters, but he's not going to do that. And all this talk about opening up the strategic petroleum reserves, all that's going to do is allow the oil companies who will bid in auction for that oil, they'll just cut back their own production. They'll take the cheaper government strategic oil preserves oil and they'll keep theirs in the ground and they'll continue making super profits off of us. Inflation over half due to oil. Big inflation continuing. Inflation is driven by uh, two things. Supply chains, supply side problems, oil companies, commodity companies, price gouging. It's supply chain and price gouging. It's not people spending too much. And that's going to continue, but the Fed will precipitate a recession. It calls it demand destruction. Take it out on workers and families and their jobs, as they did in 1981-82, in order to deal with a supply-side corporate price gouging problem so the fed increasing rates is not going to deal with the supply side problem and that's going to continue driving inflation but the fed policy will contract the real economy especially uh, small business lending construction housing autos, and so forth. So we have a crisis coming here, I think, at the end of the year, early next year, of unprecedented dimensions going on. But you know, you can always cause a war to distract people and support the incumbents. Wouldn't be the first time this happened. And that
0: is Jack Rasmus. He's a political economist based in California. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York. I'm Paul DiRienzo. In environmental news, despite climate change deniers, the Pew Research Center says nearly 70 percent of Americans favor taking steps to become carbon neutral by 2050. The United Nations Climate Report released earlier this month warns carbon dioxide emissions need to fall by about 45 percent by 2030, reaching net zero around 2050 a daunting task. Nevertheless, an upstate New York county is doing its best to follow the guidelines, implementing programs to reach net zero carbon emissions. Chance Dorland has this report.
4: Ulster County Executive Patrick Ryan explains that while his area is ahead of schedule for short-term 2030 goals... Human-induced climate anomalies continue to cause serious problems.
2: Unequivocally, we've been absolutely battered by a whole host of storms over the last decade. And even just last week, we had near-unprecedented rains and flooding. Every single storm is devastating farms. It's impacting businesses, forcing people out of their homes. Floods that are supposed to be happening every hundred years are happening multiple times a year now.
4: The IPCC's ongoing sixth assessment report stresses a narrowing window for action before climate hazards become unavoidable and irreversible. ICLE Local Governments for Sustainability is the largest global network working to solve sustainability challenges. ICLEI USA Director Angie Fife says while the country must make enormous short-term progress to meet President Joe Biden's goal of 2050 net zero carbon emissions, The technology needed already is available.
0: The median number for cities in the United States is about 63% reduction by 2030. And that is a huge number in just eight short years. We don't have to invent new technology. The policy instruments again already
5: exist and in many communities are already in place. So that was hopeful.
4: Ryan says protecting the environment is not only moral, it's also good for the economy. Ulster County now has a Green Careers Academy with local community colleges and other education orgs.
2: We're training our young people and workers across the board in things like clean building technology, solar installation and maintenance. And as new green jobs are sort of coming to the fore and being added, this will allow us to make sure that our local residents and especially our young people are able to experience economic benefits and wins from moving to
4: clean and renewable energy. Ryan says Ulster County was the first in New York and one of the first across the country to implement a Green New Deal plan at the local level. For New York News Connection, I'm Chance Dorland. Thanks for that,
0: Chance. And the man charged with opening fire on subway riders on a train in Brooklyn was ordered held without bail today at his first court appearance. Prosecutors told the judge he terrified all of New York City, a subdued, Frank James, 62, was brought into Brooklyn federal court without handcuffs, softly answering standard questions about whether he understood the charges and the purpose of the brief hearing. His lawyer later asked the public not to prejudge him. James was arrested in Manhattan after calling a police tip line yesterday, a day after the nightmarish rush hour attack left 10 people with gunshot wounds, scaring a city already on edge from a spike in gun violence. The worker who saw James on First Avenue near St. Mark's Place, Zach Tan. Uh, told reporters about his reaction. I was working in the store. Okay. I was working in the store. I do security cameras.
3: What store were you working at?
0: Over there. And I seen, I seen he walk in the sidewalk. I watched him the camera from the screen. And I thought, oh my god, this is the guy. He was half back and the house back. He was, he put on the floor like this. And I see the people walking in the next I thought, guys, guys
3: careful. Keeps far from him. Maybe he's gonna do something. I space space. People think I am crazy. Like maybe think people I am in drug, but I'm not. I'm fasting.
0: I see the car police uh, coming from the street. Call the police. Yo, this is the
3: guy. And we, we catch him. Thank God. Thank you guys. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. Zach Tahan, another New York City hero. The shooting victims, who change, range in age from 16 to 60, are all expected to survive. Prosecutors described James in court papers as a calculating shooter who wore a disguise, a construction worker-style hard hat and jacket that were shed right after the attack and fired in cold blood at terrified passengers who had nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. In fact, none of the side doors of the subway car were openable because of problems that existed in the design of those cars um, and uh, made it impossible for people to leave by passing through the cars. On a talk show yesterday, Mayor Eric Adams was thinking about a spate of shootings that occurred even as New Yorkers feared an on-the-loose gunman who shot up the subway shooting 10 people and injuring many more in a hail of gunfire. In the other acts of violence that were subsumed by the subway story, three people were killed and 10 wounded throughout the city. Shifting the blame to the victims, Mayor Adams said everyone involved in the shootings was probably black.
3: All of those who stated black lives matter, then go do an analysis of who was killed or shot last night. I was up all night speaking to my commanders in the Bronx and Brooklyn, the victims were black. Many of the shooters were black.
0: Now, was the mayor, but public defender Oleami Olurin, speaking for uh, the program Rising, a uh, show produced by The Hill, says Adams has it wrong. It was the public, not the police, who were the heroes of the subway attack.
5: Not only do we already put $10.4 billion into NYPD, not only do we have 35,000 officers, but we have 3,500 officers committed to the subways alone, and Eric Adams recently added a 1,000 more. And yet, they weren't able to see this incident coming, prevent this incident, even get a proper description. In fact, it was everyday New Yorkers that were helping people who had been shot on the platform. It was everyday New Yorkers who caught bystander video to even give them a description. What did they do here? This is a failure. So instead of saying, oh, we want to double the amount of police presence we have in the subways, you need to explain what the 3,500 officers you have were doing. Why didn't the cameras work? Why didn't their phones work? It went as far as everyday New Yorkers were told by the police officers that were present on the platform, because there were police there that failed to do something. Those police told them, can you call 911? Our radios don't work. All of the video cameras and the security footage that we paid billions of dollars to be there for didn't work. There was just no evidence that NYPD could find, and yet everyday civilians or who had to help the people who were being shot, who had to help the police come with suspects, and that is a policing failure, not a call to get more police.
0: And that was public defender Oleami Oloran. Mm-hmm. And in more local news from the streets, a teenager accused of attacking a 70-year-old Sikh man in Queens earlier this month has been arrested. Vernon Douglas, 19, of Brownsville, was taken into custody for secondary assault as a hate crime, aggravated harassment, and second-degree assault tied to the victim's race or religion. Attorney information for Douglas wasn't immediately available. The victim, identified by local elected officials as Nirmal Singh, was walking to the Sikh Cultural Society in South Richmond Hill about 6.45 a.m. on April third when Douglas allegedly approached him from behind and punched him in the face. Singh's interpreter told uh, the news reporters that the 70-year-old walked to the temple after the attack, which left him with a cut on the face. Someone at the temple saw that Singh was injured, called 911. He was taken to Jamaica Hospital Medical Center for treatment. And the city's gifted and talented program will expand this fall with more seats for kindergartners and new program for third graders. Mayor Eric Adams made the announcement today.
4: A gifted
0: and talented program in every school district in
3: New York City. Uh, we are extremely pleased about this, heard this over and over again. And uh, I cannot tell you how important this day is. For uh, Far too long, we've, we had districts in our city that did not have gifted and talented programs. We are giving every child in every zip code the chance that has been
1: denied
0: too often. And that was the mayor. Schools Chancellor David Banks described the new expanded program.
1: We currently have 2,400 kindergarten seats for G&T. And and we are proud to create 100 additional seats to our kindergarten program so kids in every single district have access to a program that's close to home. Additionally, we're going to continue our successful policy of screening all pre-K students for gifted behavior.
0: As school's Chancellor David Banks, entry to the kindergarten program will still be based on universal screening through teacher recommendations as the de Blasio administration had eliminated the entrance exam. Kids who are not currently in the Department of Education pre-K program will be screened by Department of Education staff when they apply. The new third grade gifted and talented program will screen second graders who are in the top 10 percent of their class based on grades in the four core areas of math science english language arts and social studies there will be a program in every school district for a total of 1,000 students though department of education officials say more seats could be added if the schools see more interest and uh here's a story of of interest a beloved fitness club that has met for years in Harlem's Marcus Garvey Park was dismantled by the city this week, sparking outrage among neighbors who say the gatherings had brought peace and health to an underserved community. You don't do you nothing. Go yo, 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 Bo, go ahead, Gio, go 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 you ain't give us no to time me. to take go nothing, Bo. You go. know go. what, now,
3: get them on camera, because you know what, they're pieces of shit.
0: And without that uniform, you wouldn't be doing shit. You want to this, be talking like that. Comes. You wanna be talking how it comes. Take the uniform. Take it Take Take the it uniform
4: and come work with me. Come come. Doing. Come doing little
0: work. I but the parks department defended the sweep as necessary safety step and neighbors are now scrambling to reach a compromise with the city. Known as the Lion's Den, the group has been meeting for around twenty years in the fitness area on the park's east side. Which includes sets of pull up bars, metal pull up bars. Over the years, its founder, Jamel Ali, also collected donated equipment like weights, boxing gloves, and punching bags, which he stashed overnight under a tent. And finally, it was April 15, 1947, that baseball's cool was finally broken by Jackie Robinson for the Brooklyn Dodgers, the first African-American to play Major League Baseball in the modern era. Robinson's character, his use of nonviolence and his talent challenged the traditional basis of segregation that had then marked many other aspects of American life. He influenced the culture and contributed significantly to the civil rights movement. The news is produced by Linda Perry, our engineer is Rachel Johnson. From New York City, I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening.